This morning we're going to look at that idea of how the world will end. Uh, when will its coming be? When, when will all these things that we've prayed about, when will all of this finally uh, be a thing of the past? And there is a day coming where uh, the end of our existence as we know it will end and a new existence will begin. We're going to look at it this morning. We're going to be reading from uh, Mark chapter 13, uh, looking at uh, verses 3 through 8 in the, uh, Mark's gospel account of the life of Jesus. Mark 13 at verse 3, And he, again Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pangs. How is the world going to end? Um, you might find it interesting to know that uh, you could uh, look that up on the internet to try to find the answer. Uh, so I did. I typed in, when will their world end? One of the first things that popped up was a, um, an article that came from uh, MIT. It says, uh, 2044, uh, 2040, the world will collapse. And this MIT computer has confirmed it. Just so you know, uh, be prepared. We have uh, 19 years left. Uh, Researchers at MIT developed uh, the, one, uh, the World One program back in 1973 to simulate global sustainability, how to keep our globe going. Instead, it predicted the end of the world. Uh, back in 1973, this program was put in place to figure out how we can continue on in our existence here in the world, but instead, the computer told us how the world was going to end. I won't read uh, from the article, just a few highlights. Uh, it said the end of, of the world will come as a global collapse, which I guess makes sense. If the world's going to end, it will be global. Uh, interestingly enough, so this, this article was written in 2019, the article was written in 2019. It said 2020 will be the first disaster milestone. Now you wonder if they're right. Uh, at the end of the article, it says, do we still have a chance of being rescued? Um, that was an interesting question that they raised. Is there still a chance to be rescued from this uh, global disaster? And that's what brings us to our uh, study again today as we figure out uh, from Jesus' own words uh, what is it about the end that we need to be looking for? How do we prepare for that? And he's answering um, the disciples' questions of 
when will these things be? When will we, when will we uh, see these things? When is the destruction? Because they're coming out of this uh, time with Jesus where he said the destruction of the temple is going to happen. They want to know when. Uh, but not just when will the dis- temple be destroyed, but when will everything be accomplished? Uh, and in that they're saying, when, when does the end finally come? So two, two thoughts that they're thinking there, one about the temple, one about the end of time. Uh, it may, may, be, may be helpful for us to understand what motivates the disciples to even ask the question. Uh, why would they, in the year um, 30 A.D., why would they be asking that question when MIT doesn't come up with the answer for it for another 2,000 years? What motivates the disciples to ask about the end of time uh, already back in their day? Obviously, they grew up thinking about it. Uh, the, the Old Testament would keep giving hints at the fact that uh, what we see in our world would eventually be changed. There would be a time where, where an end of things comes. Uh, one example of, of that Old Testament uh, prophetic look forward will be at what we're going to uh, be looking at tonight in our evening time uh, in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel 12:6 says, And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? In Daniel's time, they were asking, in all the turmoil of their world, and all the things that's being said there about the end. When will the end be? Maybe they had Daniel in mind. The prophet Zechariah would uh, record a detailed account of uh, the coming day of the Lord, as it's mentioned there. What's going to happen? Now, what will it be like? What will the outcome be of all that? If you go to uh, Zechariah 14, I think it is, and you look at that, and it gives a, a, a description of, of what's going to be taking place. How will you see the end approaching? Maybe the disciples are drawing their attention all the way back to the beginning of time. Maybe that's a good way to frame all this, too, is that if there's an end to time, if you're wondering about the end, Maybe that comes from the fact that you know there was a beginning to time. And so maybe they're going back to Genesis 3.15 where God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to the serpent, and between your offspring, those that follow after the evil one, and her offspring, those that would follow Christ. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. There is something already back at the, uh, the garden scene there where the reversal of what just happened is coming. The smallest little glimpse of it already in the opening pages of Scripture. How does Jesus respond? Uh, when is the end coming? First thing he says is that, see that no one leads you astray. Don't let anybody deceive you about what he will reveal to them. Many are going to come in his name. 
and say, I'm the one. And they'll lead many astray. Uh, amazing that uh, he, he says this to his disciples, knowing that they would continue to carry on his work and people would also be asking about the end of time, about the end of all these things. And he said, see that no one leads you astray. Um, there would be com- coming those uh, in Jesus' name claiming to be the one. That would happen already uh, in that uh, first or second century. Already early in the church's history, somebody was going to come and set himself up as the returning Jesus. It has started already in the very early church. I have uh, here uh, as well a list of some Uh, some of the people since that time that have come claiming to be the Messiah, the Christ, uh, the returning King, the Son of God, claiming to be Jesus. I won't uh, mention all of them, but I want to draw your attention to a few. Uh, Laszlo Toth. Remember him? (laughs) I don't either. This was uh, the return of Jesus. Uh, He was living from 1940 to 2012. Claimed he was Jesus Christ. He claimed he was Jesus Christ as he battered Michelangelo's paita with a geologist's hammer as he's as he's claiming to be the Christ, he's destroying something. Wayne Bent. You know Wayne? I didn't either. Born in 1941. Um, he was convicted. So <laughs> this, is, this is the one that stands saying that he's the returning Christ. Uh, He was convicted in December 15 of 2008 on one count of criminal sexual contact of a minor and two counts of contributing to the delinquency of a minor. uh, Setting himself up to be the Savior. Uh, Jung Myung Siok. His name won't be recorded in history for all of time anyway, so if I slaughtered it, no big deal. Um, He was a member of the Unification Church in the 1970s. Um, He believes that he has come to finish the incomplete message and mission of Christ, asserting that he is the resurrection, uh, he is uh, the Messiah and has the responsibility, he has the responsibility to save all mankind. He claims that the Christian doctrine of resurrection is false, but that people can be saved through him. Uh, those are just uh, a few. Uh, maybe one other um, that you might know, David Koresh. A few more eyes. Um, he was the leader of the Branch Davidian. Um, he then, through all of that, brought about the 
uh, death of all of his people as they had a standoff with uh, ATF agents. Um, and it didn't just come from people here in the United States. Um, some of them came from Jamaica, the Netherlands, Nigeria, South Korea, New Zealand, several from the Americas, uh, a Hungarian-born Australian, uh, and it just keeps on going and going. Maybe you remember uh, Jim Jones. Uh, if there's one uh, claimant uh, that we know it might be Jim Jones, who then brought about the mass murder of all of his followers, claiming to be the Christ. Not the one then that saved them, but that caused their death. See that no one leads you astray. There's, there's for us as Christians, uh, an opportunity and a, and a responsibility to make sure that we understand who we're following and who we shouldn't. Uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks, I, I've uh, used an illustration with money and I want to uh, do that again. So I have, I'm going to need a volunteer. I have a $100 bill that I'm going to give to somebody. First one that wants it can come up. I'm going to give somebody a $100 bill. What's well, a good day for me, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody wants $100. We have, we have one taker. Come on up, Dale. It's all yours, my friend. That's not a hundred. That's only a dollar. It's, on, it's only a dollar. How do you know? There's number one on there. Number one. Yeah. But I'm telling you, it is one hundred dollars. Why is that? Just take my word for it. I don't believe you. I promised I was going to give you a hundred dollars. You have it now. I don't believe you. You don't believe me. Well, you may take that anyway. And see how good that does you when you go to somebody and try to spend $100. You may take that with you. You're not getting this. I promised you a $100 bill. I gave you what I promised you. Yes, you did. Thank you. Many people are going to come in the name of Jesus, claiming to have the authority, claiming that they're going to give what we know Jesus had promised to give. And when they give you that, they're going to offer you in that way, the hundred dollars, and they're going to shortchange you with one. What you thought you were getting from the one who says, I'm the one that's going to save you now, will leave you empty. But they will make that promise over and over, but the only thing you'll get is a measly one dollar bill, and it's not going to get you very far. This is the way uh, all of those that would come in Jesus' name are going to operate. Uh, they come in my name. In my name, uh, again, isn't just that they're saying, I'm Jesus. There are a whole slew of people that say, I am Jesus. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. There are countless people that have come to say that. But they will come in my name. Uh, we know from our uh, study through Scripture uh, that in my name, Praying in the name of Jesus, claiming the name of Jesus, identifying with the name of God isn't just 
the, the letters of it, it's everything that makes them who they are. Everything that God is, is his name. Everything that Jesus is, everything that Jesus has done, is his name. And so when you claim the name of Jesus, you identify with everything that Jesus comes to do, what, everything he offers, everything that he's going to accomplish. They will come in his name, but instead of giving you what you thought you were going to get, they will leave you empty. They promise uh, love, but some of them have only substituted sex in its place. Some will come in his name and they will promise peace, but they will draw you into their chaos. There are those that are going to come and they will offer you uh, to be faithful to you. But as we've seen, some will abandon them and they won't save them and their faithfulness is empty. They'll promise you hope, but they will lead you to destruction. Everybody that comes in Jesus' name is uh, these that Jesus is talking about are notably different than Jesus. Now, it, it wouldn't take long, and it didn't take Dale long to realize that what he thought he was getting was not what he had received. It didn't take much at all to, re, to, to recognize you got a dollar. Uh, if you had never seen paper money before, and I told you I was going to give you a $100 bill, and I gave you that one, you would be excited. Um, if you didn't know anything about money, if you didn't know anything about numbers, if you didn't know anything about all that, um, even if you couldn't read that says $100, uh, there's so many things that you'd have to miss in order to think that you now have $100. For, for us as believers, uh, one of our uh, duties is to make sure we understand what the original is you will be able to tell the imposter because he's nothing like the original. They'll come in his name, but you'll see quickly that he's not. Uh, Jesus was the only sinless person that ever walked the face of the earth. Uh, everybody on these lists that I had uh, shown before, every one of them, before they claimed, and even after they claimed, and certainly after they claimed, had a list of faults that were verifiable. Jesus was put on trial and they had to make stuff up in order to bring him to court. And even that didn't stick. Understanding the original is absolutely critical for us. They'll come in my name. So, so Jesus spends uh, three years with his disciples uh, revealing who he is. He reminds them of, of what, the, what the name of the Father was before what they've always understood. He keeps completing this picture of what God is and now God in the flesh standing before them. I'm sure that uh, Jesus wasn't thinking about the 19th century fairy tale, uh, but I'll draw our attention to it. Uh, do you remember Henny Penny? Sky is falling. Yes, Henny Penny, better known as Chicken Little. Yes, 
um, and no, famously known for the phrase, the sky is falling. Do you remember how the story goes? Uh, Chicken Little is uh, out there so just pecking at things on the ground and she gets hit on the head with something and she's terribly alarmed and she makes it her mission to go tell the king that the sky is falling. Along the way, she comes across a, a, a rooster and a duck and a, and a goose and a... There were four. A turkey. And all along the way, on her way of making her uh, idea known to the king, she comes across these four other birds and tells them all, the sky is falling. And they all uh, go along with her to make this proclamation. On the way, they come to uh, another creature, uh, this red creature. It's not a bird. It lives in a hole in the ground. It was a fox. And so she urgently tells them as well that the sky is, uh, him, that the sky is falling. One by one, each of the birds would go into the, the fox's hole and one by one, each one of them would meet their end. Until the very last one, uh, the rooster, as he's about ready to uh, finalize his life, as the, as the fox ends his life, makes out one last cock-a-doodle-doo and ended. And at that moment, Chicken Little thought, oh, it's morning. I better go lay my eggs. And she turned around and went back home. And the only one that didn't uh, fall under the, the death trap of the fox was Chicken Little. Why do I tell the story? Uh, you remember what it was that caused Chicken Little to go out and tell the news that the sky is falling? Got hit on the head with an acorn. I'm sure that was the absolute first time in all of history that an acorn had fallen. And so certainly, the sky is falling. And at the end, she was so distracted by the sound of something else that has happened uh, all along in the life of a rooster that uh, near sunrise, the rooster crows. And again, uh, saw that as this unique thing that would lead her back home again. Uh, I think Jesus is here trying to tell us that we should not let people lead us astray by the things that always happen. These, these are things that continue to happen uh, as the acorn would fall, as the rooster would crow. These are normal things that we see in life. Uh, Jesus said, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. Uh, we're often uh, led to believe that one of the signs of the end, and I was thinking about doing, starting at one point with this, um, there will be wars and rumors, rumors of wars, and then the end shall come. doesn't. That's, that's part of our understanding, or maybe misunderstanding that we have, uh, is that when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, then the end is coming. And that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, because they happened already in his day, prior to his day, and since his day, 
Wars and rumors of wars are natural things that happen because our world is still plagued by sin. Hatred and animosity rule the day and so people rise up against people, nation against nation. And because of that, famines happen because of natural disaster and different things. Um, Famine happens, plagues happen, all kinds of, all these things happen, but they've always been happening. Jesus says when you hear of those things, don't let it alarm you thinking that something new is happening and this is going to be the end. He said it isn't. What you see are all the things that have always happened in a sinful world. Don't be alarmed uh, on the one hand because they're just natural things that happen. Two, don't be alarmed because Jesus has a plan of redemption for that. There is a plan to end wars, rumors of wars, famine, plagues, and everything else. There's a plan. Don't let the news of a new war make you think that this is the end. The disciples um, heard from Jesus and he speaks to us too as his disciples to make sure that we're not drawn away from what we know to believe uh, by all these chicken little stories where we think that because of this pending this or that, that now the end is here. Jesus said this is, this is just the beginning. Uh, so as Jesus was talking about that, this was just the beginning of things 2,000 years ago. But he said, don't don't let that disturb you. The end isn't yet. He doesn't want us to fall for the uh, false notion either that we can make this world uh, a utopian type of existence for us. Uh, I've been uh, a Star Trek fan for a number of years. And in in Star Trek, they have this, um, the, the idea that all of the evil and the things that would plague the, the people on earth before have all been dealt with and now they have a better system in place. So there isn't crime like they knew it. There isn't disease that lasts and there isn't all these things that they've always dealt with. They've come up with a way to deal with all of those things. So the Federation of Nations now has this uh, sense that all of these uh, evils have been taken care of. Well, as nice as that sounds in a TV show or a movie, that's not the reality. Uh, We're here listening to the news day after day, week after week, giving testimony to the fact that that doesn't happen. 2,000 years later, and we're not in a more peaceful place, our world is just as or more chaotic and broken as it was then. But under the lordship of Jesus, uh, all the chaos will be brought back to a place of peace. So the end of time where, where chaos and brokenness and sin uh, is finally dealt with is, is a, uh, a promise of the brokenness that happened in the beginning where the world was created and brought into existence out of the chaos, and God brought peace 
and order and life. And then promised even that once sin had broken into the human existence, that he had a plan for that as well. Jesus' plan will always prevail. Everybody that would come in his name setting themselves up to be Jesus, maybe eight or ten of those that have done that are still actually alive, but nobody really seriously follows them. All the other ones have long since gone, and the world is still the same. All those that have gone before did not and could not deliver. But Jesus' plan will prevail. Brokenness will be redeemed. The sinner still can be forgiven. The lonely and isolated can still experience the very presence of God. The one that would never leave you. The sick will be healed. And those that live in utter despair can cling to a hope that cannot be shaken. And all of this is only possible in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Jesus, that is our uh, hope from day to day that um, you do have a plan for us. Uh, That you have promised uh, that you would be coming back and it wouldn't be something that would catch uh, some people and not others. There wouldn't be this... um, partial revelation of you coming back, it would be something that the whole world would know. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And it won't be just a few small followers scattered around the world. Uh, It will be that global event that all will know, finally know, that Jesus has returned. And so we thank you for your promise and we look forward to that. Uh, But you will tell us what we should watch out for. And so Jesus, we... We pray that uh, as we put our hope in you, as we continue to uh, reaffirm uh, your mission, your purpose, uh, the gospel proclamation in our world today, that people would see that uh, all of the stuff that happens around us has been happening since the dawn of time. Uh, And you do have that plan. But we are here, uh, Father, once again, to uh, renew our commitment that our, our message... Uh, the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, the only one that can save, will go out from this place uh, to those that are uh, being led astray by chicken little stories. And so, Father, help us uh, each day in the mission that you call us to do. Strengthen our resolve for that. In Jesus' name, amen.